Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show number 969. We'd like to start off by welcoming a wonderful new Talking Birds supporting sponsor, Brome Bird Care, makers of those patented and truly effective squirrel buster feeders and famous for their exceptional customer service. Brome has been providing feeders for our mystery bird contest giveaways for quite a while now, and we're very excited that they're now also a Talking Birds sponsor. So thank you, Broom Bird Care. Well, Haley is calling from Hawaii. Haley Perez here with a listener-provided audio postcard. Let's listen. Hi, everyone. This is Haley from San Diego. My husband and I are currently in Maui, Hawaii, celebrating 15 years together, and I am on the Hosmer Grove Nature Trail at Haleakala National Park, and it's so beautiful here. There are birds everywhere. I've gotten to see some really special native birds native to Maui, the Apapane, Amakihi, and the Iiwi, and also some other really great non-native birds. But as we keep walking, I'm hoping to see more native species, as many of them here are endangered. So that would be really neat to see. Happy birding! Happy birding to you, Haley, and you're having some right now for sure there in Hawaii. Glad to hear things Starting to get back to normal there, we hope, after the horrible wildfires. Well, wherever you're watching birds, send us an audio postcard. Just grab your smartphone or digital recording device and uh, record 30 seconds to a minute, maybe, of what you're seeing. And send the file to ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com. Our friend Gino Ellison was in Hawaii not long ago doing his big year, which he just completed, and we want to send congratulations to Gino, who came up with a grand total on his North American big year of 801 species. Wow. We'll have Gino on the show again sometime soon, uh, you know, to tell us how he did it, but uh, quite an accomplishment there. And what we're hearing here is our mystery bird, not the contest itself, but a preview. We'll have the actual contest later. This is by getting you ready for it, by way of getting you ready for it. Our mystery bird is a large, long-legged raptor with a black cap and a short crest. It has bare red skin on its face, a white neck, and a mostly black body with faint barring on the upper back and breast. Our bird is found in the U.S. pretty much only in Arizona, Texas, and Florida, where it is often seen with vultures feeding on carrion. So that's a clue in the sound of our bird, and we have wonderful prizes as usual, including from Brome, our friends at Brome Bird Care, the Brome Squirrel Solution 150 feeder genuinely 
squirrel-proof. And from our friends at Bird Collective, a $25 Bird Collective gift certificate for their beautiful things for bird-related decorations and clothing and so much more at birdcollective.com is their website. So that's coming up on our Mystery Bird Contest just a little bit uh, later on right now. It's a royal salute to another Talking Birds ambassador. If you're new to our show, well, Talking Birds ambassadors are listeners who have kind of stepped up to a new level and are helping us get the word out about our show and, by extension, about the wonder of birds and the vital importance of conservation. We send cards out to folks, and they hand them out to friends and neighbors, fellow birders and would-be birders. So uh, if you'd like to become a part of our ambassador's family, just go to TalkinBirds.com and click on the Get Involved tab. And thank you to Elizabeth Furtado from Wakefield, Rhode Island, who's kind enough to say thank you for your show and all you do for birds and nature. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for what you're doing uh, as a Talking Birds ambassador. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the author of a wonderful and important book about a new approach to conservation that starts in your yard. Dr. Doug Tellamy will be with us. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for Let's Ask Mike Live on the topic of robins and more robins and more robins. This is quite extraordinary, as you'll hear. And up next, one of those underappreciated birds that maybe deserves a lot more respect than it usually gets is today's featured feathered friend. Today's featured feathered friend likes to rub things on itself. Things like ants, as well as lemons and limes and berries and even mothballs. Well, ants are known to secrete formic acid, and it's thought that this may rid the bird of parasites. Not sure what those other items do for the bird, though. The bird is the common grackle. It's a large blackbird in the icterid family that's about a foot long with a wingspan of nearly a foot and a half. It has a long keel-shaped tail, purple or blue or bronze iridescence, even though the male's feathers are all black, more brownish in the female, and it has yellow eyes. The common grackle eats worms and mice and small fish and even other birds and just about anything else that's not nailed down. And it's been described as sounding like a rusty gate. The common grackle's range covers most of the U.S., except for the far western states, and most of Canada with a wintering population in southwest Texas. Despite its apparent abundance, the common grackle has seen its population fall by more than 50% in the last several decades. Since they prefer open landscapes with scattered trees, their numbers peaked as eastern forests were cleared for agriculture in the 18th and 19th centuries. But as the forests grew back in the 20th century, common grackle habitat shrank. A more disturbing cause for their population decline is that since they're perceived as agricultural pests, they're routinely and often illegally exterminated in large numbers, and the destruction of grackle night roosts 
has also resulted in the killing of rusty blackbirds, whose population is in serious decline. Not everyone would agree, but some of us think that common grackles are really beautiful birds, especially when the light hits them just so and that beautiful iridescence goes on full display. The Common Grackle, Quisculus Quiscula. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, palindromically numbered 969. Dr. Doug Tallamy is an entomologist, ecologist, and conservationist. He's a professor in the Department of Entomology and Wildlife Ecology at the University of Delaware. He's written and co-authored several books, including the one we'll talk with him about today, called Nature's Best Hope, a new approach to conservation that starts in your yard. And he joins us right now to tell us about it. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Thanks uh, for having me on. I'm well, thank you. It's great great to have you. And before we get out uh, to the yard, I wonder if you'd tell us a bit about how two particular conservation heroes, Aldo Leopold and E.O. Wilson, stimulated your ideas and inspired you to uh, write this book and probably others. Uh, well, you know, of course, uh, Aldo Leopold, many consider the father of, of modern conservation. He recognized that um, we were not treating the land very well. He talked about developing a land ethic uh, where he really was was saying we need to we need to treat our local ecosystems in a sustainable way. Uh, now, mostly he he focused on uh, agriculture and places other than where we lived. So the only thing I'm doing is is taking the Elder Leopold land ethic to uh, the places we live, where we work, where we play. E.O. Wilson, of course, uh, another giant in, in conservation. Way back in 1987, he, he told us that insects are the little things that run the world, and if they disappear, so will we and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent most of his career trying to... Uh, uh, convince us that we need to end the war on insects and conserve biodiversity across the land. The latest thing he did was his, his half earth book, 2016, where he said, if we're going to save life anywhere, we need to save nature on half of, of planet earth. And of course, that's a very bold statement. Mm-hmm. And by the um, way, Aldo Leopold, uh, we're um, celebrating, we did celebrate the 125th anniversary of his birth just uh, earlier this week. Well, picking up on what you just said, uh, Doug, about E.O. Wilson, um, you have a name for your idea reflecting his, and I wonder if you'd read a short paragraph about that uh, from your book. Sure, happy to. What if each American landowner made it a goal to convert half of his or her lawn to productive native plant communities? Even modern success could collectively restore some semblance of ecosystem function to more than 20 million acres of what is now ecological wasteland. How big is 20 million acres? It's bigger than the combined areas of the Everglades, Yellowstone, Yosemite, Grand Tetons, Canyonlands, Mount Rainier, North Cascades, Badlands, Olympic, Sequoia, Grand Canyon, Denali, and the Great Smoky Mountains National Parks. We restore the ecosystem function of these 20 million acres. We can create the country's largest park system. Give me the shivers just to write about it. But because so much of this park will be created at, created at home, I suggest we call it homegrown national park. 
Homegrown National Park. I love the sound of that. Well, most of our yards are a little small to be called national parks, and many people might feel their yard is so small that whatever they might do there to enhance biodiversity is just insignificant. But you point out in the book that for the most part, our yards are not isolated islands, but are connected to another yard, which is connected to another yard, and so on. I wonder if you'd expand on that idea uh, a little bit by showing how important the way we treat our little corners can be. That's right. Uh, You know, we've got parks and we've got preserves, but they're isolated habitat fragments. And in between those parks and preserves are private property. So what we're trying to do with Homegrown National Park is enlist an army of millions of property owners Mm -hmm. who are going to worry about their little piece of the earth. But if we do it collectively, uh, we will be successful in connecting those those uh, isolated habitats. We're going to create viable habitat uh, right in our yards. And remember, you know, in terms of migrating birds, they do pick out isolated habitats. They're migrating. They'll stop even in a single tree if it's producing the insects that they need. What would you say is step one in turning our yards into homegrown national parks? Uh, I always talk about shrinking the lawn. We've got 44 million acres of lawn in this country. That's an area the size of New England. Uh, If each of us cut that area, uh, reduce it at all, but I talk about cutting it in half. That's where we're going to get the area that we can create homegrown national park in. We're going to reduce the area of lawn, but not eliminate it because lawn is, is a part of our culture. And the lawn we keep will be manicured. We call it a cue for care. But we're going to restrict it to the areas where we walk. Turf grass is the perfect plant to walk on without killing it. So line your driveway, line the new beds you put in your yards with with grass. And then your your local uh, ordinances are not going to come down on you. They say, okay, you get it. You get the culture. <laughs> what you just be- have more plants in your yard. What a beautiful and practical idea. Well, your research assistant, Kimberly Shropshire, got some financial support from the U.S. Forest Service and created a huge database, which has become the basis of National Wildlife Federation search tool called the Native Plant Finder that we can use by entering our zip code into the appropriate address so we'll know what kind of plants uh, make sense for uh, where we are. Tell us a bit more about that. Great. Uh, well, we've we've long known that, that native plants are much better at supporting the insect communities that support the birds and everything else um, compared to non-native plants. But what we didn't realize is that there's a huge uh, variation among our native plants. Some are much better at producing those insects than other plants. So what Kimberly did was was go to the literature and look up host plant records for caterpillars, which are the bread and butter of terrestrial food webs. Uh, and she ranked every plant genus in the country. So the native plant finder allows you to put in your zip code and the most productive plants in your county will pop up no matter where you live in the country. So the old excuse of I don't know what to plant, that's gone. Now we do know what to plant. Uh I'll give that address here. We'll also put it on our website in case you don't pick it up by hearing it. But it's NWF for National Wildlife Federation, nwf.org slash native plant finder. Well, Doug, your book is wonderful at offering a big picture of the challenges of preserving our natural world, along with excellent advice, such as we just heard on how to take part in that challenge in our backyards and our front yards. Um, 
But you also co-authored a, a book that I'd like to offer a plug for, in which you were able to create what I think you call the marriage between a horticulturalist and an ecologist called The Living Landscape, Designing for Beauty and Biodiversity in the Home Garden. Can you offer a thumbnail sketch of that book? Right. Uh, well, the co-author, of course, is, is Rick Dark. Um, he's uh, he's a Renaissance man, but he really comes from the world of, of horticulture, worked for Longwood Gardens for a number of years. And he approached me and said, uh, we need to get past uh, the point where, where ecologists and horticulturists are, are at each other's throats uh, and work together. If we can write a book together, we're going to demonstrate that these two worlds can come together. We can create beautiful landscapes that are ecologically functional, mm-hmm. but we have to work together. And that's what the book was all about. It's called The Living Landscape, Designing for Beauty and Biodiversity in the Home Garden. Before we go, at the risk of complicating things with another book mentioned, I want to point out uh, another publication that's a spinoff to the one we've mostly been talking about here, Nature's Best Hope. It's a new version of the book specifically for young readers. How would you describe that book? Uh, I would describe it as, as Nature's Best Hope rewritten for, for young readers. We don't, <laughs> we don't uh, leave anything out. It covers all of the bases. But the object is to get this important measure, uh, message of conservation to the next generation. I do want to say that we don't want to wait for the next generation. Yeah. We, these are immediate biodiversity issues now, mm-hmm. and um, we certainly want to keep them informed. But it's really the, the ball is in our court particularly as baby boomers. We need to <laughs> take our time and our money and save the, the, the life on planet Earth right now. Mm-hmm. Doug Tallamy is the author of the wonderful book we've just been talking about, Nature's Best Hope, A New Approach to Conservation That Starts in Your Yard, and the young reader's version of that book now available as well. Doug, thank you for your wonderful writings, and thanks for being on the show with us. Well, you're quite welcome. And one quick other thing, too, that is this website for following Doug, and this one's easy to remember, I think, homegrownnationalpark.org. Doug Tallamy with us here on Talking Birds, and up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. There's that mystery bird again, and this is the actual thing, the actual contest in which we say, please call us as soon as you can so we'll have time for this uh, contest here. The number to call is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a large, long-legged raptor with a black cap and a short crest. 
It has bare red skin on its face, a white neck, and a mostly black body with faint barring on the upper back and breast. Our bird is found pretty much only in Arizona, Texas, and Florida in the U.S., where it's often seen with vultures feeding on carrion. As usual, we have some gorgeously wonderful prizes, including the Broom Squirrel Solution 150 Feeder. And that sounds a little bit like a squirrel, come to think of it. But uh, in any case, it's genuinely squirrel-proof and chew-proof as well. It's easy to clean, and it even features a vented seed tray that helps keep the seed fresh and dry, all important stuff. And our friends at Bird Collective want you to know that birding is a wildlife, but that you don't have to sacrifice style for comfort when you're out in the field, and that's why today's prize from them is a $25 gift certificate. That's Bird Collective. Find them at birdcollective.com. That's our mystery bird situation here. All that's left is for you to give us a call and tell us what you think that bird is. Give us a definitive answer or take a guess. If nobody gets the right answer, we'll do a drawing and award the prize that way. So we are always determined to award our prizes. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor on the topic of robins. I mean lots of robins. That would be Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Welcome to a world where bird feeding is enjoyable for both you and your feathered friends. Introducing Squirrel Buster Bird Feeders by Brome. Our innovative feeders are designed to keep squirrels at bay, ensuring that your garden birds get their fair share. And the best part? We offer lifetime care for every feeder, making your purchase worry-free. Transform your garden into a bird paradise and keep it that way forever. Sorry, squirrels. It's just for the birds this time. Visit Brome.com, B-R-O-M-E.com to discover our full range of squirrel buster feeders and join the Brome family today. Brome, where birds come first and our commitment to you lasts a lifetime. And we're so happy again to welcome Brome Bird Care as the newest sponsor here on Talking Birds. Well, we mentioned lots and lots of robins on Cape Cod where Mike O'Connor is hanging out. How many, how many robins uh, is he seeing down there? The answer is... You heard it there. It's 400 billion, billion, trillion. I don't know if that's an exact number, but it sounds like a lot. Good morning, Mike. Is that some kind yeah, of a, a record? I think it was even more than that, exactly. <laughs> well, Carl is a, always was a pretty conservative in his estimates of things, you know, with <laughs> stars and planets oh, and Carl stuff. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And, and, you know, Ray, this is like perfect for the guests you just had on mm-hmm. because... You know, I'm like the oasis in my neighborhood. I sadly live in one of these neighborhoods where they can't landscape it enough. The neighbors, and they put in all Mm -hmm. these useless decorative trees that provide nothing. Um, And so, you know, I'm the neighborhood slob, and I let everything grow, and I have a whole yard full of eastern red cedars, and eastern red cedars have a little bit of a cycle like a lot of plants do. And this year, um, in June, I noticed they produced a bumper crop of what we'll call berries, these uh-huh. little purple. I, I think the 
botanists call them cones, but they look like berries to the rest of us. And I predicted we'd have a lot of robins this year. And, oh, my goodness, did we get a lot of robins this winter. The robins, the, the, you know, robins are probably one of the most abundant birds in North America, one of the few songbirds that's actually been increasing in recent years. I think the number is like 350, 380 million, something like that, wow. 380 million. And a lot of them breed in the wild, not just in people's yards, but in the wilds of Canada. And, and then they push south in the winter, and they go on these massive uh, nomadic flocks looking for food, and they discover my area. And, boy, do we have a lot. They just came down day after after day after day, they would be on the lawns, they'd be on the trees, they'd be in the driveway, they'd be flying overhead. It looked like, you know, the flying monkeys of the Wizard of Oz just risen by the window all day long. And so, you know, and people could get that if they had, the, you know, they, they kept the yard natural. And yeah. there's not much you can do for robins in the winter except for water because these berries, they process them really quickly because they just uh, digest the flesh off them and they're left with the seeds. And the seeds take up room, so they regurgitate them or they poop them out and they clean themselves out. And then they need water. And I there's a line of robins at the bird baths of maybe a dozen at a time up there, and there's a line waiting to get into more. It's like a Taylor Swift concert, just robins waiting to get into the birdbath. I have to keep filling it. it, it it's, it's pretty dramatic, and it's pretty cool. Wow, somebody's... So, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, somebody's finally uh, come up with a number bigger than a Taylor Swift concert. That in itself is <laughs> right. pretty, pretty incredible. Swifties, it turns out. Yeah. Wow. So if you get the if you get a lot of these robins, first of all, leave your yard natural the best you can. And if you get a big flock of robins, not much you can do, but keep your bird bath going because yeah. again they, they have to process these berries and a lot of birds other birds drink water, including similar birds like waxwings and and bluebirds in the in the winter time. But it 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 was quite a show and quite a quite a bit of excitement here. It lasted probably about three or four weeks and now, you know, the berries are gone and they moved on to to drive, you know, to invade somebody else's neighborhood or part of the world. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Indeed. And it's pretty cold there now, I know, Mike. Are you wearing your Carl Sagan turtleneck to keep warm? <laughs> I, I never take it off. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay, sounds good. All right. Mike O'Connor with all the Robins. 500 billion, billion trillion, I think, was the actual number. Uh, so, back to the mystery bird contest. Should we hear this bird one more time, just really briefly? We'll just we'll, we'll just listen to it kind of briefly here. There it is. That's our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the uh, number to call. Not far away is Carver, Massachusetts, and that's where Janice is, and she's calling in with an answer to our mystery bird um, contest here. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you heard the clues, the sound, and... Uh, also, the prize is there. What do you think on the uh, on the mystery bird? Is it a crested caracara? Crested caracara sounds good to me. Absolutely right. Yes. What an interesting bird. Um, looks like a long-legged hawk. Associates with vultures, but it's actually in the same family as falcons. Below the border, they call it the Mexican eagle. Quite a fascinating bird. I think we have time for um, a bonus question, Janice. Would you like to try it? I'll try. We have a beautiful uh, kit from featured um, from um, 
from uh, from our uh, Feather Friendly. I get that mixed up with Featured Feathered Friend. You understand. Feather Friendly, Bird Window Collision Kit. Okay, mystery uh, bonus question. This is a, uh, you know, um, multiple choice. Every year, new words and phrases are added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. For the recent one, which of the following bird-related words or phrases was among those that were added? Is it A, dawn chorus, B, reverse migration, C, Zugenruhe, or D, Wiener Schnitzel? No, it couldn't be Wiener Schnitzel. That would probably already be in there. Zugenruhe is a German word that translates to migratory restlessness. By the way, reverse migration talks about some migrating birds, how they get confused for various reasons and head in the wrong direction. Dawn chorus, of course, wild birds singing in unison around sunrise, especially spring and summer. Which one do you think was added to Merriam-Webster there, Janice? Is it A? A would be dawn chorus. You are right again. Nice job. Yes. Dawn chorus now in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So take that. Janice, thank you so much. Stay on the line, and Jesse will get your info and send you those prizes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next week on our show, by the way, don't forget our Talking Birds new Patreon, patreon.com slash Birds. Dr. Charles Clarkson will be with us next week talking about an amazing event called Birds Across New England of interest to folks everywhere. Thanks for being with us, and see you next week. The bird show, I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. And by Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.